We're continuing our series entitled Relationomics. And last week, Pastor Gary opened our series and defined this word he created, which, which we've coined for our, our series. And so here's a, here's a definition of this word, Relationomics. It's the, it's the study that deals with the development, understanding, and practice of healthy relationships. And this morning, we are focusing uh, how appropriately, talking about royal family and, and kids, we're focusing on a relationship with our children. And uh, I'll be the very first to admit this morning, I need help when it comes to, to uh, this area of, of, of raising kids. And I've been, I've been blessed with three boys, and, and I thank God for the relationship that I have with them, but I also know that I don't have this relationship thing figured out yet. I've got a lot to learn, and, and uh, I hope you recognize that so do you. I don't think I'm alone this morning. All of us have a lot that we need to learn, and uh, no doubt there's a number of you that I need to learn from. You, you've gone before me. My boys are, are 11, 10, and 8, and so a lot, of, a lot of my preparation this morning is, you know, with, with them in mind, um, but maybe you have adult kids this morning or, or, or are just starting this parenthood thing, or, or maybe you don't have any kids, and my encouragement to you is, is don't check out this morning. I believe God's word has, has a message for anybody, for all of us, regardless of, of whether you have kids or not or, or how old your kids are. Um, an old pastor, teacher, uh, who's in glory now by the name of Charlie Shedd, he shared once that prior to having kids of his own, he decided to teach a, a series of messages on parenting. He entitled the series, The Ten Commandments for Parents. And uh, sometime later, he had his first child. And when he got enough courage to teach again on parenting, he, he entitled that series, Five Suggestions for Raising Kids. Number two came along, and then number three. And when he once again got enough courage to teach one more time, he entitled the series, Three Thoughts About Children. <laughs> and... Uh, this morning, I don't, I don't have 10 commands for parenting, but I, I do have some thoughts. And hopefully, more importantly, uh, I, I'm able to share some biblical principles, which I believe God's word teaches, which will help us and enable us to have prosperous and healthy relationships with our kids. That's God's desire for us. As our, as our theme verse proclaims, it's from 3 John verse 2. It says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. It's our theme verse, and without a doubt, God's desire for us is that we would prosper in our relationships, and of course, this applies to our relationship with our kids. And again, again, maybe you don't have kids this morning. I, I urge you, put the smartphone away, Facebook can wait, the headlines are for later, don't, don't tune out. There's some things I believe God wants to speak to all of us this morning. So if you'll pray with me one more time, uh, let's do that. Jesus, we thank you once again for your presence in this room. And God, I pray that you would give us understanding that, that, that we might comprehend what it is that you want to teach us from your word. God, I pray that you would encourage every parent in here, every individual, every person in this room, that you would en encourage them. Give them the strength and the wisdom they need in all areas of their life and in all of their relationships. Lord, we commit this morning to you once again. We thank you for it. 
It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> My life is, is motivated by two great desires. First and foremost, I desire to know God to know him, to walk with him all the days of my life. Pastor Gary nailed it a couple weeks ago when he declared there is nothing greater in this world than knowing Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that? There is nothing greater in the world. So that's my number one desire. My second desire is like it. I desire that my wife and children would know that same God. Making Jesus the supreme joy of their lives, the highest longing of their hearts. That is my desire more than anything else. I love the Apostle John's expression also in 3 John, just a couple of verses after our theme verse. He declares this. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And in context, he's, he's speaking about those in the church he was a pastor of, of several churches, but obviously it relates to our own kids. I have no greater joy than to see my sons worshiping God, lifting their voices and their hands in praise to our Savior. While I fully agree with the Apostle John here, I'm also fully aware that there is an all-out effort being made by Satan to persuade children to walk away from the truth. Tragically today, a staggering percentage of young adults who, who were raised in the church are turning their back and walking away from Jesus Christ, declaring they can no longer believe like they once believed. And in, in recent times, there have been a number of, of you might say, high-profile Christians, young adults who have publicly renounced their faith. And boy, I'm burdened, burdened not only for the people who you know, were mentored by them, I, I, but I fear for them on Judgment Day, having led so many young people astray at this time. So the question is, why, why is this happening? Why are kids departing from the faith? Why, why is anybody departing from the faith? And I don't have all the answers by any means, but one thing I know for sure is that we as parents and we as the body of Christ need to be praying for our kids like never before. We need to be wearing out our pants on our knees as we're crying out to God on behalf of our children. We have an adversary. That adversary is seeking to destroy our children and we must do everything we can possibly do to strengthen the faith of this current generation. Young people are growing up in a, in a culture which is wholly given to deception and depravity. Kids today are, are, are exposed just to an onslaught of, of, of continual images and, and, and exposed to messages in every arena of society, which I believe is intentionally causing confusion and disillusionment. Kids don't know what to believe. They don't know what's true. You may be thinking, boy, being a bit dramatic this morning, but I have to tell you, I would be so bold as to say that never in history has a young person faced more obstacles to following Jesus Christ than they are right now in this 21st century, 2020. The evil which, 
which a person in the past had to intentionally seek out, now seeks our kids. Right has been labeled as wrong, wrong, right. Good is called evil. Evil is being called good today. Do you realize that? It's a sobering reality, but again, I'll say it, the enemy of our souls is after our kids. And he would want nothing more than to destroy our families, to destroy our children. It's a reality, but with that being said, there is another great reality that we must grasp. Again, it's the Apostle John who said it, this time in 1 John 4, 4. This is what he said. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, Satan, yes, he's seeking our child's destruction, but Jesus is constantly seeking to redeem them. He's pursuing them as he pursues us. His plans for us and our children are great, greater than even we can imagine. I love Isaiah. He declares, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. That's what we need in, in, in our culture in this day is God to raise up a standard against the onslaught, this flood of depravity which is all around us in this world. See, I believe with God's help, we can turn the tide for our kids. I believe with God's help, we can see our children, the, the, the kids of crossroads, overcome this world. We can see our children be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. I believe that's the desire of every parent, every person in here. And what we need to realize is that our relationship with our kids is one of the greatest factors, if not the greatest factor, determining our child's course in this life. You see, mom, dad, you represent God to your kids. Your children, whether you realize it or not, are are crafting their ideas, their thoughts about God as they watch you and how you live your life, how you carry yourself at home or in business or in entertainment. There's a story I've shared often and it stuck with me. Maybe you've heard it. There's a, a young dad who had been battling alcoholism, been trying to, to stay away from alcohol. And, and uh, during the holidays one year, whether well, it was the stress of having a house full of family or whatnot, he decided, you know what, I just, I have to have a drink. And it was back in the Midwest, there had been half a foot of snow or, or, or so that had fallen, and he thought, you know what, I'll just sneak out the back door, go down the street, block or two to the local liquor store, have some alcohol and be back, nobody will even know it. He was about halfway down the block, trudging through that snow when he realized he was being followed. And he looked behind him to see his little four-year-old boy jumping from footstep to footstep. And a bit upset and surprised to see his little boy, he said, boy, what are you doing? And the son startled, just looked at his father and said, daddy, I'm just following in your footsteps. I'm just following in your footsteps. And it hit that father. And he realized where he was leading his son. And that made the difference for him that day. See, our kids are following us whether we realize it or not. Where are we going to lead them? Our child's relationship with God, again, is largely dependent upon their relationship with you. Now, I will say, though, because I, without a doubt, there are some parents in here, you have kids who have walked away from the Lord. They're grown. They're adults. You know, sometimes in this life, a parent can do 
you know, everything right to an extent. You raise your kids in the, in the fear of the Lord and, and they still follow the path of this world. I want you to know this morning that every individual, no matter you know, what you've done as a parent, every individual is going to decide ultimately for themselves whether or not they're going to serve Christ. And this morning, while I'm encouraging us and imploring us, charging us as parents to do all we can, ultimately, there is no condemnation whatsoever if your child is away from God. It's not your fault as much as the enemy wants you to think it is. Not only that, God isn't finished with your child yet. No matter where they're at, God is pursuing them. And as you pray and as you believe, God is working on their hearts even at this very moment to bring them to himself. Don't give up on them. God wants to bring them to himself and he wants to use us, use you to, to accomplish that. So here's the question of the day. How can we, as parents, lead our children into healthy, enduring, prosperous relationships with Jesus? and in turn, with ourselves. Here's the answer, and it's your first fill-in. We must strive to do for our kids what God has done for us or for you. Do for your kids what God has done for you. Now, that might seem a bit daunting, because what God has done for us, you know, we can, we can never compare to that. But we can use it as our, our, our model and there are four things I want to highlight this morning, which, which God has given us, which in turn I believe we need to give back to our kids, which will lay the foundation for our relationship with them and also for their relationship with the Lord. And then towards the end of the message, we'll build upon those foundation stones with, with something I've labeled uh, four pillars for parents, pillars which will uh, you know, foster spiritual health in our homes as we apply them. So the first stone, the first foundation stone we're going to talk about is unconditional love. Unconditional love. Aren't you glad that God doesn't love us any less on the days that we blow it? On the days that we are less than perfect, which is every day, his love for us remains the same. His love is unchanging, unwavering, undiminished, and unending. This pastor would say that's a good spot for an amen. I'm going to say it again. God's love is unchanging, unwavering, undiminished, and unending. As Romans 5.8 declares, for God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't look through time and say, man, they are such a great person. I am going to die for them. God saw us at our worst and still loved us, gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. There is nothing you can do that would make God love you any more or any less than he already does. His love for us is unconditional. This is the, the foundation for our relationship with him, and it is also that unconditional love that we have for our children that, that we must begin or where we must begin building a strong, prosperous relationship with them. Our, our children must know for certain, beyond a doubt, that we love them regardless of the mistakes they might make or, or the behavior they may be engaging in at any given moment. <laughs> If your child has a doubt 
concerning your love for them, they will also doubt God's love for them. If your child doubts your love for them, they will also doubt and wonder about God's love. I do believe that, that most, if not all parents, deep inside love their children unconditionally. It's a God-given gift. We love our kids. But the challenge we face as, as dads and, and moms is communicating that unconditional love to our kids. You know, sometimes we think we're expressing our unconditional love for our kids, but they're just not getting the message. Have you ever felt like that? Your next fill in there is strive to not only love your child unconditionally, but then to understand how to effectively communicate that love to your child. Many of you are familiar with the Gary Chapman book, The Five Love Languages, and he wrote a sequel, I guess, called The Five Love Languages for Children. I highly recommend it. You know, not, not everybody feels loved in the same ways. You know, and, and we tend to express love for others in our own love language. You know, I feel loved when, when people give me gifts, so I'm going to give gifts to show my love for them. Well, maybe that's not there the way they feel loved. So we need to study and, and strive to understand how to effectively communicate our love to our spouses and to our children. So I recommend that book if you want to pick it up. So the first foundational stone is unconditional love. Second stone is appropriate discipline. Don't check out. <laughs> appropriate discipline. Proverbs 3 says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. God, our heavenly father, in his wisdom, allows us, his children, to bear the consequences of our poor choices. <laughs> now, thankfully, he has taken the punishment for our sin, ultimately and eternally. But in his wisdom... There's consequences that we face when we make bad decisions. And we as parents, I believe, make a huge mistake when we seek to constantly shelter our kids from facing the consequences of the poor decisions they make. Kids need to understand there are consequences to bad decisions. You know, more and more, I work for a school district, and boy, more and more, I see kids getting free passes for terrible behavior, and I fear what these, what's going to happen to these kids as they become adults and get jobs, and, and uh, boy, it's, it's, uh, it's scary. For relationships between children and parents to prosper, godly authority must be established. The unconditional love is a must. But next in line is a godly authority in the home. And the way this godly authority is, is primarily established is through appropriate discipline. Now, there's a lot of inappropriate discipline. We need to be careful. And boy, if we had till one o'clock, we could spend a lot of time on these various points. I'm imploring you to, to not just listen to this message this morning and, and, and be done with growing in this area of, of our relationship with, with our kids. There's, you know, a plethora of resources out there for us, books and websites, and I've listed a few on the back of your worship guide this morning. Um, but, it's, but it's so, so important to be uh, appropriately disciplining our children. 
It's been said, and I think this quote is in your notes, it says, disciplining children in an undisciplined society may be the hardest task parents face. Who can say amen to that? The hardest task parents face. This isn't easy. But moms and dads, if you love your kids, and I know you do, you will seek to discipline them appropriately, no matter how difficult it may be. To discipline appropriately requires patience, requires consistency. We've got to be consistent in our discipline. It requires wisdom and requires self-control. Don't discipline your child when you're angry. Don't do it. Give it some time. There's a story I, I heard a few weeks back of a young father who was on the subway with his, his toddler who was in a stroller and uh, child was basically throwing, uh, throwing a tantrum. And the father was overheard by some passengers around him saying, it's okay, calm down, Albert. Keep it together, Albert. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Hold yourself together, Albert. One lady eventually leaned over and said, boy, you sure are doing a great job being patient with little Albert. He said, no, no, this is Billy. I'm Albert. I'm trying to keep it together. Have you ever felt like that? <laughs> Hebrews 12, this, this verse, boy, jot it down, highlight it, circle it in your Bibles. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Surprise. <laughs> Nobody likes to be disciplined. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. <laughs> Do you hear that? How many of you want your homes to be characterized by a peaceful harvest of right living? It happens as we plant seeds of unconditional love and appropriate godly discipline. Well, then we'll harvest that right living, not only in our lives, but in our kids' lives. So the first foundational stone, unconditional love. The second one, appropriate discipline. And the third one is sincere appreciation. We need to give our kids sincere appreciation. Every single child, and a human being for that matter, has a deep need to feel valued and appreciated. Every single person alive needs to feel appreciated. And your child, regardless of their age, whether a toddler or a grown adult, they have a deep longing to know that they please their parents. They have a deep longing to know that they are a blessing and that their contributions to, to, to the family and to the home are recognized and appreciated. When we take the time, <clears throat> when we take the time to express sincere appreciation to our kids. I don't have this in your notes, but catch this. Their confidence is strengthened. Their joy is increased. Their identity is confirmed. And their acceptance is assured. Do you catch those? That's powerful. When we express sincere appreciation to our kids, listen again, their confidence is strengthened, a godly confidence. Their joy is increased. Their identity is confirmed. We have an identity crisis in our culture these days. Kids don't know who they are. They're trying to figure out who they are. They need to know whose they are in order to realize who they are. 
and their acceptance is assured. 1 Thessalonians 5 says simply, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. That's what you're doing. When you express value to your kids, when you express sincere appreciation, you are building them up. You are encouraging their spirits. How do you know someone's in need of encouragement? If they're breathing. If they're breathing, they're in need of encouragement. Every one of us needs to be encouraged. Every one of us can be an encouragement to others. That quote in your notes, genuine appreciation given to one another, given to another has the power to change their lives forever. There is life and power in our tongues, in our, in our words. Let's be parents. Let's be a church that speaks life. Your fill-in is, in order for your relationship to thrive, your child must know and believe that you appreciate and value them. Make it a point. Let them know every single day. Grab their face and tell them how much you love them, that you value them, that you are proud of them, that your family would not be complete with them in it. Make it a point every single day to tell them that. And the fourth foundational stone this morning that we need to give our kids is constant grace. Constant grace. God's constant and continual grace is what sustains us in this life. And it is our constant and continual grace for our kids which will sustain our relationship with them, their relationship with us. Hebrews 12, 15, a powerful verse. says, look after each other so that uh, that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch this connection that the author of Hebrews gives us. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. I believe there's a a correlation between a lack of grace and a root of bitterness in children's lives. And boy, we as parents, again, we all make mistakes, but Lord, help us to give constant grace to our kids. Again, it doesn't mean you give them a free pass for bad decisions. There's appropriate discipline that needs to happen. But grace needs to constantly be given or else bitterness will grow. Dads, your children need grace every day. Moms, your children need grace every single day. Grace when they come home with that not-so-great report card. Grace when you discover the dent on the fender. Grace when your son didn't follow through with the instructions you left for him. Grace when your daughter loses that which was very important to you. Grace when the football breaks the lamp. Grace when, you, when they need your undivided attention, but you're busy fixing dinner or, 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 or working on the car. Grace when they fail to meet your expectations, and grace when they call you names or say they don't love you or just or ask you to leave them alone. Boy, in those moments, we need the grace of God to give to our kids. And adult children need just as much grace as young kids do. They need that grace that Pastor Gary talked about last week, which keeps no record of wrongs. Grace which offers forgiveness, and and grace which will ask for forgiveness for anything we may have done that was a hindrance in their life. 
And that quote there, grace means giving others the permission to be works in progress. Anybody else a work in progress this morning? <laughs> Every single one of us are. Our kids are works in progress. You know, we praise God that, that he who has begun a good work in us is going to bring it to completion. <laughs> We're not there yet. The finish line is ahead of us, and it's ahead of, a, ahead of our kids as well. So let's give our kids unconditional love, appropriate discipline, sincere appreciation, and constant grace. These, these four foundational stones, which, we, which if we have in place, I believe, will, will uh, enable us to have strong, prosperous relationships with our kids. Now as we begin to close, there's just those four pillars for parents with the emphasis on the P this morning. You've heard it over and over again, but I wanted to take time to emphasize these points one more time. The first pillar, which will, which will foster spiritual health in our homes, is to prioritize God's word. If our relationship with our kids is going to prosper, God's word must be a priority in our lives. It must have its proper place in our homes. I love the passage from Deuteronomy it's Moses here imploring and, and really preaching one final sermon to the children of Israel, preparing them to, to take hold of their possession in the promised land. And, and uh, he's implored them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as Pastor Gary talked about last week. And then he goes on, and in verse 6 we read, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. He's saying, Make God's word a part of every moment of every day that you live. You see, prioritizing God's word doesn't mean you gather your kids around and read God's word at them for an hour and say, okay, we've done our devotions. It's important to read together, but God would have us to take this word, hide it in our hearts, and apply it to every practical situation we find ourselves in out there at the marketplace or at school, no matter where we are, applying his word constantly for our kids, teaching them how to apply this book to their lives. It's an absolute must. We need to prioritize God's word. Secondly, we need to practice prayer. Prayer, Ian Bounds says, should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. Prayer is an unbelievable privilege. We so easily forget that in the midst of our difficulties and circumstances of life, we have a heavenly father just longing and waiting for us to come to him, to talk to him, to bring our requests before him. And as we do, as we pray, what we are declaring is our humble dependence upon our God. We're saying, I can't do this relationship thing alone, God. I need your wisdom. I need your help. To not pray is to say, I can handle it. I can do it by myself. I'll be the first to admit, I can't do it. I need God's help. So I must be a person of prayer. Love this passage out of the book of Jeremiah. Easy to remember, Jeremiah 33, 3. 
put it in your phone, and whenever you need to talk to the Lord, remember this verse that says, call to me. He's never going to forward you to voicemail. You're always going to get an answer. It says, I will answer you, tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God, how do I do this thing with my kids? God, my child is so far away from you. I need wisdom right now. God's going to hear you. He's going to answer you. He's going to guide you to others who may have that answer, who have learned, who've gone before you. He's going to open his, his, the, the word of God to you in ways you haven't seen before. We must be a people of prayer. We must teach our kids to pray. How do we do that? Just by praying with them. Pray out loud for them. As they're going to bed, pray for your kids. Let them hear you pray. How did the disciples learn how to pray? They heard Jesus praying. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them. Let's take God's word, his example. Let's teach our kids how to pray. The third pillar is to, to pursue his presence. And boy, that's what we were doing this morning. That's what we're doing now. By rejoicing in his word, by looking to his word, we are in the presence of God. But I can't encourage you enough to allow the presence of God to not just stay in this room in your life, but to take his presence home with you, to cultivate his presence in your home with your kids. That includes the word, that includes prayer, but it also includes praise. Do you know it's okay to sing at home? I love to sing. And I'm not about to try this morning, but I love singing with my sons and my wife at home. Boy, we'll pull out an old hymnal and sing some of those great songs of old that my grandma used to sing to me. And boy, we love to pursue God's presence in our home. And I can't encourage you enough. Pull out your smartphone, play a song, and sing to the Lord. I guarantee you, it'll be one of... Your, 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 your favorite things to do if you start making it, making it a habit, making it a practice in your home, God will show up. He shows up when his people praise him. The scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people. The fourth pillar is to prepare for Christ's coming. You think, how does that apply to our relationship with our kids? Well, I'll tell you what I do mean in a minute, but first I'll tell you what I don't mean. Preparing for Christ's coming doesn't mean to rent a backhoe, dig a hole, and, and, and build a bomb shelter in your backyard. Doesn't mean to fill a warehouse with food and prepare for the tribulation. Doesn't mean to sell all your possessions, get clothed in white, and go wait on a hilltop somewhere waiting for his return, as some have done in the past. Believe it or not, that's not what he wants us to do. What I do mean that we need to prepare for his coming by constantly emphasizing and reminding ourselves and our family, our kids, that this world is not our home. We need to teach them that the way things are in the world right now are not the way things are always going to be. The kings, the rulers, the politicians who are, are reigning right now, they're not always going to be in power. Praise God. There's coming a day when Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth and set up his rule and reign, which will last forever and ever and ever. I am looking forward to that day. I want my kids to be looking forward to that day because it will give us the proper perspective that we need to live for, him, live for him in this culture, which again is full of depravity and, 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 and disillusionment causing our kids destruction. 
I love this passage of scripture from Titus chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That's what our children need. Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope. See, Jesus' coming isn't something to be feared. It is where we place our hope, our confidence. We sang about it a few minutes ago. You know, I am fully convinced that during my life, I'm going to see the return of Jesus Christ. You say, come on, every generation since the disciples have believed that, I believe that's by design. I believe it was God's intention for every follower of Christ to expect his imminent return. There is a purifying effect when we are anticipating Jesus' coming there to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem where his foot will part the heavens and step down literally upon that mountain. There is a purifying effect in our souls and there will be a purifying effect in our kids' souls when they fully believe that this world is not, uh, is not their home. They're en route to their final destination. It's not all about being successful here and now. It's not all about you know, enjoying every pleasure that's out there because there's a lot of ungodly pleasures pulling us away, stealing our affections from those things that really matter. Do we recognize that? There's a tug of war going on for our kids' hearts. And a lot of it is clothed in seemingly innocent pleasures. We need to be careful. We need to guard our own hearts. We need to stand in the gap for our kids. See, kids today need an anchor in this current, this raging river of culture. They need an anchor which will hold them firm, keep them from drifting downstream. I believe that anchor is found in anticipating Jesus Christ's return. I don't know if it's still there, but years ago there was a, a sign attached to a bridge on the Niagara River not too far before the falls came, and it said this, speaking to anybody who dared to be in a boat on that river, it said, do you have an anchor? And then below it, it said, do you know how to use it? Our kids need an anchor. We need an anchor. He's not just after our kids, he's after us. Jesus spoke the parable. It's been on my heart. I, I didn't share it earlier, but he, he spoke the parable of the, of the sower who sows seeds. The seed is the word of God. And it's good seed, and he put it into soil. And there's different examples of seed that would grow up and, and, uh, and not grow, bring no fruit to maturity. And, and he says some seed was thrown among the thorns, among the weeds. And while a plant came up, eventually it was choked out, bringing no fruit to fruition. And Jesus, in explaining the parable to his disciples, said, The thorns are the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the pleasures of this world. I think, wow, how many times have I heard a message or had a time in God's word where he spoke to me? He planted his seed deep in my heart, and I went about my day, completely forgot about it, failed to water the seed, 
fail to bring any fruit to fruition. My prayer this morning is that this would not just be a message, but that it would be a mandate that we receive as parents and as the body of Christ that we are going to do whatever is in our power to do to stand in the gap for our kids. I believe he wants to do a work in the kids here at Crossroads. Every single child that's represented, he's doing it through, through royal family. He's doing it right now as our kids are learning his word in classes. When you go home tonight, may the work continue as we teach our kids God's word, as we, as we pray for them. One final verse, and we're going to sing one last song to the Lord and cry out to him on behalf of our kids. If you have any needs this morning, I can't encourage you enough. Find a prayer partner to pray with. Call out to our Heavenly Father. If you have kids, grown kids, young kids who are away from the Lord, don't leave without crying out to God on their behalf. Hebrews, 7, uh, Hebrews 6, 17 through 19. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, that we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and and steadfast. God, thank you for your word.